share with you this morning. So we're going to start with Jack, who is out of prison. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, some of you know I'm supposed to be in prison today. Uh, you've probably heard about an escape from, from Westville, and that uh, put the whole place on lockdown. So, so we got one full day of our, of our ministry in, and then uh, we had to um, leave the prison and and actually, most of our stuff is still in there, so uh, we have a group going in to, to get it out when they can get in. And uh, but once you have an escape, the prison is going to be locked down pretty hard for quite some time. So, um, but uh, all your cookies, the ones that that weren't used already, uh, will be going into a freezer at Indiana State Prison. Probably be used this July by the. Uh, Kairos at Indiana State Prison, and their cookies will probably go into that freezer and be used by us in November. So uh, uh, the, none of the cookies go to waste, and uh, none of the food goes to waste. We put send a lot of food to uh, the county home in in the uh, Port County and some other counties. And so, uh, thank you for your prayers and all. And believe me. Uh, God was not thwarted, and God accomplished the purposes he added for this weekend. But when we go into the mission field, we have to know every time that that things will not always go as we plan. But uh, God is not uh, outmaneuvered, and so we just keep uh, uh, planning to, to go back as God calls us. So thank you so much for your support. Thank you, Jack. I'm glad he answered my burning question. I heard there was a prison break, and I was like, are the cookies okay? <laughs> Priorities, right? Um, I'd like to introduce you all to Mallory. Um, Mallory's had kind of a big week, month. Month? Okay. <laughs> we'll go with month. Um, so I'm going to ask her a couple questions and just let her share a little bit of her story with you. So Mallory, um, you have a medical diagnosis that's a little bit um, tricky, scary. Um, why don't you tell us about that? Um, when I was 18, I was diagnosed with severe um, stage 4 endometriosis. Um, it's just a female reproductive disease, if you're not familiar with that. Um, so I knew at 18 that having children and, you know, my health in general was going to be really rough. Um, and then in October, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, again, um, another female reproductive disease. And um, so for the last six to eight months, my husband and I have had to... Um, go through a lot of infertility treatments because as they predicted when I was 18, um, having children is not coming natural to us. Okay. Um, so tell us what your health has been like lately. Um, so because of the fertility treatments, um, I have to take a particular medication that, um, makes my body ovulate. I don't do that on my own. And, um, the most recent round of that actually made my body kind of go into overdrive. Um, with this medication, there's lots of monitoring, ultrasounds, tests, um, to make sure everything's going the way it's supposed to. And, um, the first, um, ultrasound that I had for that particular round showed that I had four follicles, which um, most women only produce one per month. So that was really exciting because we had four chances at one baby. Um, So the following week I had to go for um, a follow-up to make sure that all of those had resolved. Um, 
the, the way that they're supposed to. And unfortunately, when I went back, it showed that um, the three that were on my left ovary had um, all doubled in size. So at that point, my ovary was twice its normal size. I had two tennis ball size cysts and one apricot size cyst on my ovary. Um, and that led me to the ER and where they told me that um, this was actually a really dangerous situation, that um, I was really at risk of um, ovarian torsion, which is where your ovary can flip and it cuts off blood supply. Um, you can lose your ovary. It can cause internal bleeding. can be really serious. So we it were kind of on edge for a little while. Um, the following week, I was in the ER again, um, again with increased pain, nausea, vomiting, all of that really fun stuff. And um, that was actually last Friday where we discovered that one of them had um, ruptured the biggest one. And it was still walnut size, so it was just leaking um, all that fluid that was in there. So um, I think to, to translate for the gentleman... Ouch. Okay. That's a lot of pain. It's really, really rough. Um, so tell us about what happened for you last Sunday. Um, actually, last Sunday I woke up and I felt terrible. Um, obviously, two days prior, I had just been in the ER for all that pain. Um, I was on pain meds. Um, felt really, really terrible, but I also felt the Holy Spirit telling me I needed to come to church anyway, which I wasn't very pleased with, but I did. Um, found the most appealing pair of spandex I could find, and I came to church anyway. Um, and Mara had actually told me that she wanted to pray with me after church um, it, the next time she saw me after church. And so I, I waited for her, and then I saw her giving crazy eyes to Amelia. And uh, <laughs> and then um, after she was done, I went up, and um, they both prayed over me. And um, it was a very intense, powerful prayer um, for all three of us, actually. Um, we all really felt... Um, the Holy Spirit move in us through that prayer. And um, that was last Sunday. On this past Tuesday, I had another ultrasound. All of my cysts were completely gone. There was no trace of them ever being there. Awesome. We serve a very mighty, amazing God who can heal. So I want to invite Dave up to pray over Mallory and just give thanks to God for what he's done. in Oh, that's a wonderful, wonderful, (laughs) wonderful thing that happened. Lord, your love is so great. You want so much for us to have the wonderful things that you have for us. And, and thank you for the healing that went on with Mallory. Oh, Lord, you, your love is, is something that we cannot describe, but we can experience. And she just experiences experience what that love is. So, Lord, thank you so much for your healing touch. And, Lord, we just ask you to bless this family. And, Lord, um, uh, if it's your will, Lord, bring them, bring them the opportunity to have, have babies. And, uh, Lord, we're looking forward to what you're going to do. This, this thing that happened is, is just, a, a, just a testimony of who you are. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to start this off something different than probably what you're used to. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Sorry to have to put you through that, but it has to do with what the message is today. 
You know, we're in this short series in which we're telling you what, what, why we do what we do here at Branches and how it fits in with our mission statement. And here's our mission statement. We are a group of people intimately connected with Jesus with a heart to branch out to the community of Warsaw and see lives change for God's kingdom. Let me repeat that. We are a group of people intimately connected with Jesus with a heart to branch out to the community of Warsaw and to see lives changed for God's kingdom. It is this intimately connected with Jesus is what I want to speak about today. Two weeks ago, Tom talked about um, ministry time that we do and our part in it and the benefits from it and why it's important for us to pray with and for each other. Last week, Dave Grant talked about worship and our responsibility as a body to be actively worshiping and the benefits from it. Today, I want to share with you I want to share with you why we use the Bible as, as part of our um, corporate time together and why it's important. Uh, and we do this in order for, for God to teach us how to get in a deeper relationship with him. We believe that at its core that the Bible contains a message of God's love toward us in the person of Jesus Christ, that whole intimately connected with Jesus That's the primary way in which it communicates to us, is through the Bible. Each Sunday, Tom will use scripture to deliver the message to us. And at times, he'll use use a book of the Bible or a chapter of the Bible, and we'll we'll run with that as a series to to be able to wrap the messages around what what that says. We believe that all scriptures be taken in context as to why it was written. And how it can apply to our lives. Accurately handling the word of truth before we preach it. When we go through this study, we look at what other people say about it. Commentaries, other preachers, theologians. We go through all that so we can understand what that scripture is. Because if we don't accurately share it with you guys, we're leading you astray. And we don't want to do that. We're committed to accurately handling God's word as it applies to our daily lives. So it's not just delivering a message to tell you what the passage is about, but how to apply to our lives. Our own personal relationship with God is at the core of all this. We use, we use the Bible to be able to equip us to do what he wants us to do. And how we equip, how he equips, equips us is what we're going to talk about today. So, there's three questions we want to answer today. Number one, what is the Bible? Number two, why should we as followers of Jesus Christ read the Bible? And number three is how do we read the Bible? Well, first of all, what is the Bible? Everybody's known about the Bible, but really what is it? Um, it is God's word to us. We believe that to be intimately connected with Jesus and live lives that reflect who he is, we must understand how he has communicated to us and what he's communicated to us. The foundation of that is God's word, the written word, this thing here, right here, 
the written word. Or for some of you, it's on your apps. And that's both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, what is the Bible? It's a collection of 66 books written by about 40 different authors in three different languages on three different continents over a period of 1,600 years. It is the number one best-selling book of all times. About 50 Bibles are sold every minute. From 1816 to 1992, there had been over 6 billion copies printed. 6 billion. And if you add the, the, the version Bible after that, that's another 200 million. The next closest best-selling book is Don Quixote with 500 million. If laid side by side, that 6 billion would be over 53,000 miles or enough to cover the earth, the circle of the earth, twice. The Bible has been translated into 636 languages. That's the full Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. The New Testament has been translated into 1,442. And that list keeps growing. It is also the most shoplifted book in the world. Think about this. If the Bible is so impactful to so many people, why do we not read it? Why do we not take it in? It's got something to it, right? The Bible claims to be inspired and inerrant or incapable of being wrong. Paul says in 2 Timothy that all scripture is inspired by God and Peter says in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, above all you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture has ever come from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit as they spoke from God. This means that the Bible claims to be from God and is without error in everything that it addresses. That's at the core of what we believe here at Branches, that that the Bible is without error. There has to be truth somewhere. You've heard it said by many people, there is no truth. How do we know what's right, what's wrong? There has to be truth somewhere. There has to be truth. If God created us, he wants us to know what that truth is. And this is what he uses. So how do we read the Bible? Or why do we read the Bible? Well, we use it to get to know who God is. And The Bible's been referred to as basic instructions before leaving earth. B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. First of all, I want to tell you why I read the Bible. At the age of 23, I accepted Jesus Christ and made him the Lord of my life. And I wanted to get to know who God was, but I was not a reader. Up to that time, I probably read two books from cover to cover. And that's only because I had to do book reports on them. I just was not a reader. So to try to tackle reading the Bible all the way through was a challenge, but I was determined to do it. But the reason why I wanted to do it was because I wanted to know who this God was that I just made the Lord of my life. I wanted to find out what his character was. I wanted to find out what he wanted for me. 
I didn't want books to tell me. I didn't want commentaries to tell me. I didn't want preachers to tell me. I wanted to find out on my own. And as I opened the word, it was almost like God was speaking directly to me. The words that came out of that book as I was reading, was it was just speaking to me. It was amazing. I found a love that I never knew existed. I found as I read through it, yeah, there's some pretty ugly spots in it. But I found that God wants the best for his children, his creation. He wanted the best for me. And contained within, contained within those words was life to me. It was, it was an amazing time. It took me about a year and a half to do it. But I didn't stop. For 35 years, I spent time in God's word regularly. And when I do it, I know that he's changing me. It's an amazing thing what he does when we read his word. Slowly and methodically, what God has done in me has changed me to be more like Christ. I've got a long way to go. I still have troubles. I still have struggles. I still have the same temptations for sin. I still have all those things that come with what this earthly life brings. But I know my time spent with him has always been well worth it because he's changed me. And I'm not speaking on my own. I've talked to many people and you hear, about, you hear about many people in the testimonies they give about what God has done through, through his word. I, don't, I have to admit that I don't always feel like that I've, I've received something when, I've, when I sat down and, and read. Like I'm going through the book of Deuteronomy now and there's some things in there that are just repetitive and, and just it doesn't seem like it's speaking to me a lot. But I do it anyway because I know the benefits of it. I, I'm never, never without the benefits of reading God's word and spending time with him. We as followers of Jesus should read the Bible because God uses it to equip us to do good work. The Apostle Paul wrote, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. And it corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I'd like to share with you a passage of scripture that I hope will convince you of the value of spending time in reading God's word. So if you have Bibles or you have apps, turn to, please turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to be reading through verses 3 through 11. And this is from the New International Version. If you don't have it, it'll be up here on the screen. Think about this when I'm reading it, if you would, please. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his more marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. 
and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with endurance, patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fall, who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you're really among those who God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance in the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So when Peter wrote this, he was in the last stages of his life. He was in Rome, and he'd been in captivity. He had spent most of his Christian life as a missionary, spreading the gospel. And what he wrote this to remind the people of what he had said, what he had shared. Remember that Peter spent time with Jesus. He walked with him. He learned what he had to say, and he was passing on to them what Jesus had taught him and what God had spoke to him through the Holy Spirit. So he was reminding them to live a godly life. So what does this passage tell us about the benefits of understanding what God gives us? God uses it to show us how to live a godly life. Now, this is the challenge. I found it very difficult to live a godly life. This world and, and all of the stuff that it, that, it, that, it, that throws at us, too many distractions, too many things that there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of educators and enlightened people telling us how to live, <coughs> excuse me, and telling us what makes us happy. We are exposed to all kinds of immorality, all kinds of addictions, addictions to Alcohol, addictions to drugs, illegal, illegal, addictions to pornography, uh, addictions to gambling, shopping, the list goes on and on. But all these things are, are outside of what God wants us for us. And, and he, wants, he wants his best for us. And all these things that we talk about here are things that never satisfy, but create in us a continual lust for more. So God does not want us to live like that. Because it destroys, it does not bring life. The world around us causes us to be desensitized to the life that God wants us to live. If you look at what was acceptable morally 50, 20, 10 years ago, it's a whole lot different than what it is now. In the things that we read, the things that we watch, the things that we are exposed to, it's different. So it's very difficult to live a godly life when all this stuff is thrown in on it. You've heard, this, you've heard the, the statement before that garbage in, garbage out. So if you've got garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. But so how do we live a godly life? Well, verse 3 gives us that, that key. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Everything. So it's his, by his divine power. We can never separate God's power from God himself. God does not give us power. He gives us himself. 
When we receive Christ, the Son of God, the divine power is installed in us. All the power we ever need to live this Christian life is in the wonderful person of Jesus Christ, and he now lives in us. As we delve in his word, into his word, the Holy Spirit begins to bring out in us those things that God wants to change in us. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than, a, than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, and exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So as we do this, as we delve into God's word, we become godlier. And next, God uses it so we can get to know him better. The second part of this verse says, we have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to, to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. God's original design for mankind was this intimate relationship with him. He he walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He created them to have a relationship with him. And when sin entered the world, that relationship was broken. And God loves us so much that he wanted to restore that relationship. And we just, we just celebrated communion and, and that message that John gave about the gift. Jesus came as the full representation of God. He came to show us who God was and who God is. And when he died on the cross, that relationship was now restored. So now we can get to know him. And in his words, in his word is God telling us who he is. That's why we read the Bible, so we can get to know who he is. This coming to know him does not happen without us doing our part and having him speak to us through our time reading his word. I'll share with you a story of how this became true in my life. I had been working a job for 17 years and I'd gotten the, the dream job that I'd always wanted. I, it was great. And about a year into that, I go into work one day and and find out that throughout the country, there were 2,600 jobs eliminated. I no longer had a job. I didn't know what to do. I'd never been laid off before. I lost all that security. So in the, in the next morning, I was at a loss. And I was sitting there praying to God. I was on my knees actually praying to God. What do I do? What do I do? I just don't know God. Every day I get up and go to work. I've got that security. I don't have it anymore. I don't know what, what's going go, to happen. So as I was praying, the word Jehovah Jireh came up. I knew what the word Jehovah was, but not quite what Jireh was. Jehovah was, was the name for God. So I said, God, just thank you for being Jehovah Jireh, whatever it is, I know that it's, that it's good. So I finished praying, and I got in the car to go pay a bill, turned on the radio, and, and this is exactly what happened. Exactly. 
It's almost like a, every time I talk about this, I get emotional because it's, it's so powerful. Turn on the radio, and as soon as I turned on the radio, the announcer said, and today David Jeremiah is going to speak on Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. It was amazing. And I still remember that. That's just an example of what God does for us when we read, it, read his word. He gives us things to bring us comfort, to give us guidance. We also read the Bible to learn what God has promised us. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable us enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Josh McDowell, in his book, Right from Wrong, writes this about God's promises. God's precepts, or ways to live, are like an umbrella. It's like an umbrella. If you're under it, in the rain, you don't get wet. You're protected from the rain. You're provided with dryness. But the moment you move out from under that umbrella, you move out from underneath its protection and its provision, and you get wet. It's the same way with God's precepts. His precepts are like an umbrella to protect us and provide for us. And it radiates from the very character and nature of God so that he can protect and provide for us. Now, God's promises are irrevocable. If God makes a promise, he doesn't change it based upon circumstances. If he said it to be true, it is true. And that's what we here at Branches believe, that if he said it to be true, it is true. What I found interesting about this word promise is this particular word for promise is only mentioned twice in the Bible. First one is in verse 4, and the second one is in the same book, chapter 3, verse 13. It means promises that are voluntarily made, not as a result of any petition. In other words, we don't have to ask him for it. He gives it freely because it's his will for us. It is his character because he wants the very best for us. And we fail and falter many times because we don't, we don't believe in those things. We don't read those things, so we miss out. But God gives them to us so we can live the good life that he has for us. It's been said that there are over 3,000 and as many as 3,700 promises that God gives us in the Bible. If you were to read one of those and believe one of those every day, it would take you as much as 10 years, as much as 10 years to be able to digest them all. Think about that for a second, 3,000. When we're afraid, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I give not as the world gives, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. When we're down to our last few dollars and there's three days until payday, he tells us that my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. When a family member or a friend dies, he tells us God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. That's three promises. 
there are, two, there are at least 2,997 left to go. Think about that. That's a pretty awesome thing that God does that for us. This doesn't come from us just attending church on Sundays. Yes, we use the Bible to be able to share with you God's truth. But just a Sunday morning, exposure to it isn't enough. God wants us to be in relationship with him. He wants us to know who he is. He wants us to show how, how, how we can live a better life. He wants his best for us. We can never know what his promises are if we're not in his word and reading and studying it on a regular basis. So God uses it to equip us to do good work. He uses it to show how to live a godly life. He uses it so we can get to know him better. And God uses it to fulfill his purpose for us. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for you. He wants you, he designed you and created you for a purpose. The more you spend time with him, the more you begin to understand what that purpose is. And it's been said, I think it was Mark Twain who said it. Um, I'm, I could be wrong on that one, but there are, are, there are two great things that happen in life when you're born and when you find out why you were born. So God created you for a plan, for a purpose. And the more you do that, the more you can fulfill that mandate that he gives us to go out and make disciples. So it's, it's all about that connection with Jesus and we find out who he is through the word. Our responsibility as the body of, of Branches Vineyard Church and the, and the full body of Christ is to live a life that God wants for us. And to do that, I don't know any other way to do that, but, but then to read, read his word and find out what he wants for us. Jesus quoted the Old Testament and he said this, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There is only one way that I know of to live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that is by finding out what comes from the mouth of God. And we do that by reading the Bible. I know reading the Bible for a lot of you may be a little bit difficult because of habits or time constraints or whatever. We're going to give you some tools here in a little bit. But as I was praying this morning, God sort of shared to me a scripture that um, I want to share with you that ties in a little bit to what we're talking about here. It's in Psalm 103. And boy, after that, after that testimony about the healing, this just drives it home. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With all my heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. 
My youth is renewed like the eagles. This is what he does for us. He doesn't ask us to read this thing so we can pound it over our head. He asks us to read this thing so we can get to know him. He wants relationship with you. And that's what this is all about. And that's why we read the Bible. So how do we read the Bible? We don't want you to leave today without some practical tools on how to read and apply God's word. So here are some ways to develop a consistent time with God. First of all, make a plan. Make a plan that you're going to do it. And in that plan, where are you going to do it? For you young families out here, I know it's probably a little, little bit more difficult. But carve out a personal space where you have no distractions. For some of you, that may be the bathroom. Find a place, that personal place of solitude, so you're not going to be distracted to spend some significant time. Choose a book of the Bible to read. If you've never read, if you've never read the Bible before or a book of the Bible, maybe pick the Gospel of John, and you can find out who Jesus is in the Gospel of John or the book of Romans. But there's also other helps out there of how to read through the Bible and use those guides also. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you before you start. Now, this next one is really important. Remember that the purpose is to have God's word get through to you, not you to get through the word. So take your time. You want God to be able to speak to you. If you're doing it just for the sake of of reading it, you're going to miss out. Because he has so much in store for you when you take time and you listen to what he says. Read through a chapter or a section of a chapter at a time to get the context of the message. Listen to God as he speaks to you through what you were reading. And be obedient. Be obedient and follow through if you think God is directing you to respond to something you've read. I think that's where a lot of us miss out is we'll read something and say, that's all well and good, thank you, God, and then we shut it and walk away. We can never grow unless we obey what he says to do. His his commands are not burdensome. They are not burdensome. If you live by them, you will have so much more peace, and you live the way God wants you to live. I encourage you not to use Sunday morning as the only time you're exposed to the Bible. Your life will never make an eternal impact on yourself and those around you until you regularly spend time in his word. So this is why we read the Bible. It's about that intimate connection with Jesus. And you miss out on so much when you don't do that. That's where the benefit is. God's love is so great. You saw it with, with Mallory. You've heard about what God's doing in other people's lives. You have a chance to experience that yourselves. So I just want to encourage you, find time. You will not be disappointed. I can guarantee you that. You will not be disappointed. Okay, so the worship team is going to be coming up and and, um, doing this final song. And after the worship music ends, you'll have an opportunity to come up here to pray with us. There'll be people up here who love to pray with you for any need at all. If it has anything to do with the message, if it has anything to do in your personal life, if you want to hear what God has for you, 
we'll be up here for you. And then after the song is over with, I encourage you, if, 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 you can, if you don't come up for prayer, if you can just move to the back so people up here can have some personal time. So God, thank you so much for your word. John chapter one says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. He was with God from the very beginning. And then it says, he come to dwelt among us. Your word, your word for us is powerful. It's living, it's active. It's all those things as we take it in becomes organic and grows within us. So Lord, as we move out of this place today, let's not forget all the benefits it is that you give us to be in your word. Lord, we love you so much. And the fact that you love us so much to tell us what you want for us is even more amazing. So we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.